Hello, this is Ron Clark from the Agape Church of Christ in Portland, Oregon, and you are listening to the God of Second Chances podcast. Welcome back, Searching for Hope in Ancient Stories, uh, the God of Second Chances podcast. We're glad that you're back. Uh, we've been uh, doing the first six lessons as kind of a test case in this series. Our goal is to make these, first of all, available for free, even though you may have to pay for the platform where you're listening to them. But also, we wanted to make these for English as Second Language learners, uh, many of those that we know who are on foreign countries, on the mission field, as we say, who are translating uh, these lessons for uh, their congregations, their friends, their family, those around. Uh, but they're also available for anyone. Uh, we'll go a little slower than we would normally, but that's because we know people are trying to process this and translating this into another language. Uh, these test cases are designed to get feedback. We want to make sure that you're able to let us know uh, what we need to do better. Uh, we want to keep them to 15 to 25 minutes, and so there's short lessons uh, because we know that it takes a lot of work to translate those. But if you have any suggestions, any ideas, you can email us at podcast at agapecoc.com. That's podcast, singular, at agapecoc.com. We've been doing a series in the beginning of the Hebrew Bible, the first book. We, we call it Genesis, but it's also known as Baroshit, meaning the creation or creations. God's creating work in many, many different areas. And today we're going to talk about Abraham, uh, one of the great heroes of the Jewish, the Muslim, uh, and the Christian uh, faiths, as well as other faiths. Abraham was a man who was called uh, in a very advanced city for his day, the city of Ur. Uh, they had sewer systems and in some places uh, running water, from what I understand. While Ur may not have been much like the cities that we live in today, it was, for his time, uh, technologically advanced. And Abraham was called out to be a shepherd, a nomad, a wanderer. And this call came through faith. For many ancient uh, texts in the ancient world, the Sumerian, uh, Mesopotamian, the Hittite even, uh, there were stories of a god who got a little self-centered and tried to gather people out to themselves. Usually it was a male god to himself, and then the people and the god were destroyed. So you can imagine when one God that you've never met calls you out and you leave, it is not just a matter of, of conviction, it's a matter of faith, both in your spiritual walk as well as your, uh, your physical walk in your family. So let's turn to Genesis 12, and we're going to listen to the God of Second Chances and find hope in these, this ancient biblical story. Welcome back. As we've been uh, discussing through our past lessons, we're not going to read every verse. We want you to do that. Uh, we want you to maybe stop this uh, lesson and translate that or read that. But most importantly, we, we want to just highlight on some important themes as you do your own personal study and your own work within a group. And today we're looking at Genesis 12, 
one, and I want to start with one through three because I think that captures some very important points. Chapter 12, one, Yahweh had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And if you notice Abraham left as Yahweh had told him and he took his family. Now it's interesting when we read this text uh, the the end of chapter 11 you know we talked about the the tower of babel in the beginning in the last lesson and then there's this list of all of these people who are of this the shemites the semites who Abraham comes from the Jews come from uh the semite the semitic people as we know that you may have heard of the term anti-semitism uh, which is a is racism against Semitic people, Middle Eastern people, uh, Jews. Uh, that's where this comes from, Semitic or Shem, uh, one of the sons of Noah. If you notice at the end of 11, it just simply says that Abram and, uh, it was, fall, was called and he left with his father. Uh, but in chapter 12, there's a little bit of motivation behind that. And it's interesting because we learned some points from this early stage with Abraham. First of all, Abraham, his, Abraham's journey, or Abram's journey, begins with a call. God called him out of the city. Now in chapter 11, they kind of go out with their possessions, and they settle, and the father dies, and then they work their way around to finally leaving. Uh, but Genesis 12 kind of, kind of uh, captures this as the idea of a calling. God called them. And this was the first step in Abraham's uh, movement and his journey. He was called by God. Uh, to be called is the idea that God, uh, God, God's word, either directly, we don't know if it's speaking directly to him or through a, another prophet or through a priest. Uh, it doesn't tell us. It just simply says that there was a message, a calling that came to God or to Abram and Abram responded. I, I liked uh, watching the Ted Turner uh, class movies when they did uh, some of these Bible stories. And, and when God would speak, it would be in the language of the person or the uh, character and I thought that was that was pretty interesting. We don't know how the call came. Some sometimes on the television shows we have the deep voice, uh, Abram, you know, and, and maybe I, I don't know. Uh, but the point is, there was a call, a word, a message, and it came to Abram. The second point is this call was fueled, or you know, the, the kind of the catalyst for this call was the promise. I will make you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is how God operates. God doesn't just call people to do something completely out of the realm of their own existence and then abandons them. God offers a promise. God calls and then promises to bless and I think that's important. First of all, in the ancient world, covenants were always two-sided. Uh, a covenant was a relationship. One person would would uh, offer something, and then the people were to respond. Uh, when God works with people, God expects a response. 
God expects people to receive what's being given. But God always offers first. God blesses first. God gives a covenant first. God initiates relationship first. And in this case, while God called Abraham, God also offered this blessing, this response. Uh, It wasn't just take a step of faith and I'll tell you what I'm going to do later. There was an upfront blessing. You respond and I'll bless you. I'll care for you. I'll make you a great nation. And you begin to see this journey, which is the third point. There's the journey. And we have several chapters. We'll only look at a few stories uh, and do a few lessons here in Abraham's life. But it really comes down to these three things. When God calls Abraham or asks Abraham to do something, there's a promise. There's a blessing there. And then there's the response or the journey. And so relationships tend to work that way. at least in the biblical context. It doesn't all fall on God's shoulders. There is a response. And what we see with Abraham is that there is the call, there is the promise, and then there's the journey or the response. And the journey is you know, what I think one of the most interesting uh, parts of this narrative. Because in the journey, Abraham makes mistakes. You'll read later on, he goes to Egypt. There's a famine and he goes to Egypt. God didn't tell him to go to Egypt, but he went. And what happens? You know, he uh, has to lie to Pharaoh about Sarah. And yes, he lied. Uh, He picks up Hagar. uh, And then later on, Sarah wants to have a child through Hagar. God didn't tell him to do this, but he does it. And what does God do? God still continues to work with him. It's not to say that, you know, we intentionally sin against God. What it's to say is that the journey is the interesting process many times of our life of faith. Uh, it's a struggle. It's a fight. It's joy. There's, there's a war or two that, that Abraham's going to win. There's uh, going to be a donation made by Melchizedek, and he's not going to take it. There's a blessing by Melchizedek. Uh, there's going to be, you know, he's going to have to deal with his son. He's going to have to bargain with God. We'll talk about that later. But the journey is this constant work in Abram's life to be faithful to God. So in Genesis, we see the call, the promise, and the journey. And this is what makes life beautiful, is all of them together. But the journey is sometimes the most interesting part of our life. Welcome back. As we look at the God of second chances in this story, I mentioned the three parts, the the call, uh, the promise or the covenant or the oath, and the journey. And you begin to see this through much of Abram's life. But I want to leave Abram for just a moment to say that there were another group of people who read this story. Uh, The people, the Jewish people, the people of Judah, uh, Judea, and we sometimes use, who were taken captive into Babylonian exile because of their disobedience to God. Uh, they had turned their back on God. They had been unfaithful. And so the Babylonians came in and actually destroyed the city and 
uh, took you know, most of the Jewish individuals, the Judeans, off to Babylon. Uh, the people of Israel, the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, were already taken uh, quite a few decades before to Assyria. Uh, in Judea, there were uh, in Jerusalem, there were squatters left behind, and they got into a fight. And we read about that in the book of Jeremiah. Some go to Egypt, where we find the Elephantine community uh, later forms, and others go to other parts of the world. But the nation is scattered. And imagine reading Genesis 12 and the Abraham narratives as a person returning from captivity. It's interesting that in Isaiah chapter 40, the prophet says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. She has received from Yahweh's hand double for her sins. I mean, I love the way this starts. Nehom, Nehom Ami. Comfort, comfort my people. Uh, what's happening? Uh, the same thing that happened with Abraham. God has said, okay, you've been in captivity 70 years, it's time to come home. And so there's this call. The prophets will give various calls. Come home, come home, come to God, come to those who are thirsty, return to the Lord. And so there's this call, but in the prophetic texts, uh, and this is the power of the prophets, they offer hope. Uh, I can't remember who it is that once said, if you want to change the world, uh, tell a different story. And I use that often. With, I probably should figure out who said it. Uh, I think it was a female author a year, uh, decades ago. But I love using that with people. If we want to change the world, we need to tell a different story. The prophets told a different story. They called the people of Israel back home. And it was fueled by a praise. You'll come home and I'll do this. You'll come home and I'll do this. We'll create a new covenant. We'll have a new heavens and the new earth. Uh, I, I will create, pour my spirit on you. And so there again, God was calling and then God was offering. It was, it was The catalyst was the promise. I will bless you. I will care for you. You'll come back. Uh, you'll be able to worship on my holy mountain. We'll rebuild the temple. And then you had the journey. Uh, that was the people's response. And they traveled a long way to come back to Jerusalem. They struggled. They wandered. They, like Abraham, were had a difficult you know, time being faithful. But the three points are still the same. God called them. God offered a promise. And they journeyed. And that journey was their response. That journey was their willingness to have faith. In fact, another thing that I think is interesting is imagine going back to Jerusalem. There's no temple. It's been destroyed. There's no altar to worship on. What do you do? And in some way, Genesis 12 said it never really was about sacrificing animals or having an altar or having a building to worship. It's always been about responding to the call, walking on the journey, and trusting that God will bless. And that's exactly uh, what many of them did when they came back. As I said, the journey was difficult. The journey was a struggle. But through that, Yahweh God continued to be involved in their lives. To bless them. To care for them. It's interesting when I turn to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. I find something very similar in the life of Jesus. In Mark, chapter 1, verse 15 uh, you know the 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 writer of of the Gospel of Mark. You know, we think Mark, uh, we think he was Peter's companion, P Barnabas's cousin. And we think that they were writing it to the Romans. So you can imagine being in Rome, uh, facing persecution, which we think was happening. 
And the message that Jesus, right out of the blocks, says is not, hey, God loves you, don't worry about it. No, he says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And then in verse 17, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And you begin to see this same pattern. There's the call. That one of the most powerful things that Jesus did was to call people to himself. Call people to God. Call people out of their dependence on the Roman Empire. Their dependence on statues. Their dependence on their own greed and selfishness. And for a very small percentage, riches. Uh, But for the majority, their misery in being poor and being marginalized. And Jesus called them and he promised, I will make you fishers of men. I will help you. I won't make you rich, a little different than Abraham's. It's not I'm going to bless you and make you greater than the nations. It's you're going to be with me. And then you had the journey, which the Gospel of Luke does so well. This long journey of the disciples for three years walking with Jesus. And what did they do? They responded to the call. They they believed in the promise and they had the journey. And that was their response. And so we see this pattern throughout the Bible that God calls, that God promises and offers support. Uh, God offers blessing. And then God's people take that step and begin that journey. That's a powerful, powerful theme throughout the biblical text. And as you read through Abraham, you'll see how often. uh, You know, why does God keep coming in and saying these things? Because Abraham's on a journey. And he's struggling. And he needs to have faith. And God calls. God promises blessing. And he journeys. And in that struggle, he struggles. But God continues to interact. And I want to point out, Abraham journeys. Even though he falls, he journeys. He doesn't just sit there. He doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. He journeys, just like all of God's people did throughout the biblical. Welcome back to the God of Second Chances. I hope that you found uh, a little hope in this biblical story, not just of Abraham, but of the people who read Abraham hundreds of years later, and of the people who took the story of Jesus and compared that to the people of God and their promise. As I mentioned, the three themes are really important. First of all, there's the call. Secondly, there's it's the catalyst is the promise, the blessings that God offers. And then there's the journey, which is our response. I don't know where you are as you're listening to this. I don't know where you are in location. I don't know where you are in your walk with God, both spiritually or physically. I don't know much about who you are or your faith. And you're welcome to always let me know. And let me know if these are reaching you. But I want you to realize that these three points are just as important today as they were Uh, many millennia. First of all, Jesus calls all people. I often 
uh, tell people that Jesus sends out friend requests. And not everybody accepts it. You know, some people uh, don't want to accept the friend request because they don't want Jesus getting in. You know, I don't want his Facebook page coming up every time I open it up. Or I don't want uh, uh, my people seeing, uh, my friends seeing that I'm friends with him. Or I don't accept it because he's going to call me to do things I don't want to do. Or I don't want him seeing stuff I, I do. I mean, Jesus sends out friend requests and not everybody accepts them. Jesus, just like God, always offers a call. Come and follow me. I think sometimes we feel that all Jesus says is God loves you, and that that is what he says, but most importantly, he does what he's always done. He offers a call. He sends an invite. He sends out a friend request. And he promises to bless. He offers a blessing. He offers protection spiritually. He doesn't promise that we're going to make a lot of money. He doesn't promise that we're not going to face persecution. He doesn't promise that we're going to be well-known. He doesn't promise that we're going to be, uh, you know, have the best cars, the best house. I think we live in a world that is looking for that, and that is why many are not accepting his friend request. Jesus simply promises to give us eternal life. He promises to be with us. He promises to stand with us. He promises not to abandon us. He offers hope with that call. And he offers a promise. But the third part is the hard one. As Christians, we have a journey. As followers of Jesus, we follow a journey. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we go off the wrong path. But what's important is getting back on the road and walking and following Jesus. And like Abraham, we go places we should we weren't we weren't expected to go, and we deal with that. But like Abraham, we also show obedience. As we'll look at Abraham's life, the longer he was with God, the more you saw God in him. Just like the longer we walk with Jesus, the more your people see Jesus within us. And maybe you're sitting there reeling from a hangover and regretting what you did last night or you did this morning or you just did a little bit ago. Maybe you lost your job because you you uh, took some things that weren't supposed to and you moved money in accounts that weren't supposed to be moved. Maybe you took bribes for what uh, many, many people have to work hard to get and you took bribes to give people uh, opportunities that others who work hard aren't getting. Maybe you walked away from church because you got tired of it or you wanted to sleep in on Sunday morning. Maybe you were hurt by God's people and you were on the journey and there were people that did things to you uh, and I can't imagine how awful they must be and so you lost your way. Maybe you blamed God. I don't know where you are today, but I think if you go back through the story and ask, is God calling me? I believe that God's always calling you. I believe that Jesus offers the invitation constantly. Jesus sends out friend requests. And maybe it be a good idea to go through your folder and look and see, hey, there's Jesus' friend request. I can do that on my Facebook page. I can click uh, you know, things and it'll say friend requests and people you might know. And sometimes I look back and think, man, I should, I should take that friend request. It's important. 
or I meet them, uh, the individuals face to face, and say, yeah, I should have taken that. And Jesus sent you a friend request. Have you been willing to take it? He promises to bless you. He promises to be with you. He promises to walk with you. But you got to be on the journey. Part of that journey is being in a group, in a community that's also on that journey. When we journey together, uh, we uh, begin to see the blessings and experience those blessings. Some people on the journey mess up. But what's important is we find others on the journey who are serious like we are. One of my favorite books that I used when I taught uh, freshmen at uh, uh, Cascade College out here in Portland, Oregon, is a book by Brett Hoover, uh, Losing Your Religion and Finding Your Faith. And One of the things that he says is, most people treat the Christian life like a commute. You get in the car in the morning, you drive to work, you don't pay attention, you just get there as fast as you can. Then after work, you get in the car and drive home as fast as you can. Many people see the Christian life that way. I'm just trying to get to heaven. I'm driving as fast as I can on the highways, not looking around, not getting lost. Others, Brett Hoover mentions, are on a road trip. Yeah, a road trip, getting to the destination can be just as fun as, as, as being there. So we take our time, we pick up people, we enjoy the trip. Yeah, we're going to get there, but the point is we're not in a hurry. I don't know why people are in such a hurry to get to heaven. I think sometimes we forget that we are on a road trip. We don't know when we're going to get there. Who can we pick up along the way? What greasy diner can we eat at? What crazy store can we go and get, get pictures at? Or uh, what people can we talk to when we're getting gas, eating at a restaurant, staying in a hotel or a campground? The Christian life is a road trip. And on that journey, we begin to see the call and the promises of God and how they can bless us. I'm Ron Clark, and this is the God of Second Chances podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any comments or thoughts or prayer requests, you can e email us at podcast at agapecoc.com. You can also visit our website agapecoc.com backslash podcast, singular, and you can go on there and you can see some of the platforms that we offer this. Most importantly, I want to encourage you to go in peace, love God, serve others, and remember the God of second chances.